Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Jerry's over there. Chuck's wearing his last chance garage hat, which means that all is right with the world. Yeah. You know, if Chuck's not wearing that hat, who knows what's going on? Yeah. There's. I thought I lost this thing. On oh, yeah? Once, yeah. I vaguely remember that. Oh, dude, I freaked. I was you like were, on yeah, the horn. I was on the phone with Delta and everything. I was like, oh, here it is. <laughs> right. It's on my head. In your back pocket <laughs> with Bruce Springsteen. That's right. Uh, how you doing? Great. Um, Chuck? Yes. I think you knew this, but I'm not sure everybody listening does. Um, if you if you like, not you, Chuck, but people out there, I'm speaking to you now. Yes. Uh, if you like hanging out with us on the podcast, you can hang out with us outside of the podcast, too. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are like, can you release a podcast every day? No, we can't, but we do hang out on Twitter, Facebook, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. every day. Yes, we do. Every day. Yeah. Uh, our Twitter handle is SYSK Podcast, Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, we're trying to get up over 100,000 likes on Facebook. So close. So Chuck. if you you could like us and then just hide us if you don't like us. I <laughs> I don't even think you need to hide us. Like I think 18% of people get any given post. It varies. Something like that, though, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you will seek us out, though, rather than hiding us, because it's an, an entertaining page. Yeah, we like to deliver the goods. Yeah, and then, of course, you can hang out with us on our website, stuffyoushouldknow.com, where yes. we have blogs, slideshows. We post our podcasts there, videos. It's like the the Josh and Chuck video network. Agreed. Okay. So- there. All right. Now, let's talk about electricity. Electricity, electricity. I've had the Talking Heads song in my head. Which one? Electricity. Oh, okay. Where all he sees are little dots. I thought you were going to say Once in a Lifetime. No, that's... <laughs> what is that called? Once in a Lifetime? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I've been singing the um, Schoolhouse Rock electricity song over and over in my head. What about the Electric Company theme song? Mm, I haven't been singing that. But do you remember it? Yeah, that was I was Electric Company over Sesame Street even. Oh yeah, I didn't think there had to be like a, you know, I didn't know it was like the Stones or the Beatles, you know. No, it's uh, and the correct answer there is the Who, by the way. <laughs> what do you mean? Like that's the Stones one you go Beatles, for? The Who is that right? <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, I love the Who. But, do you? But I, I'm with you. I don't see the need to rank things like that. Well, plus, The Electric Company came on after Sesame Street, I think. Yeah, it skewed slightly older, I think. Sesame Street, to me, felt like 
you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds. Yeah. Electric companies were like eight, nine, ten, twelve. And then even younger than Sesame Street was Pinwheel, if I remember correctly. I that was that. after your time. Oh, okay. Pinwheel was pretty cute. Yeah. But it was like little kids, and then Sesame Street was like little kids. And then Electric Company was like cool. Yeah. And Romper Room was kind of pre-Sesame Street even. So was that the one with Raggedy Ann and Andy? Mm, I don't remember. I just remember it was, it was very immature. <laughs> yeah. It was very childish. I think Raggedy Ann and Andy were in that. Well, at any rate, we've angered enough people now. I know. Uh, I have an intro for this one. Great. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. About 13.8 billion years ago, a little something called the Big Bang happened, and the universe was created. So says you. So says a lot of people. Yeah. You know, uh, we weren't around. Nobody saw it. But it's been detected, and it's strongly suspected by scientists. That the universe yeah. is 13.8 billion years old and that it came from something called the Big Bang, which, by the way, I would love to do an episode on. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, and under the auspices of the Big Bang Theory, not the TV show, but the actual theory. Yeah. Um, at that moment, all of the energy in the entire universe was created right then. Boom. Bam. Ever since that point, Bam. the energy has no more energy yeah. has been created. And none of that energy has been destroyed. But it changes states. It changes shapes. It can be locked up in different um, places. Yeah. It can be transferred from one place to another via some natural ways, like mm-hmm. convection, conduction, radiation. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it can be stored in stuff. Like it can be stored in your body, right? Fat is potential energy that can be burned and used for energy to carry out work, Yeah. which is... All we're looking to do is work. That's right. We use energy to carry out work, whether it's digging a shovel or lighting a light bulb. That's what energy does. It produces work, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, we figured out along the way that we don't have to wait around for radiation or convection or conduction to do its thing to provide energy because we'd have a lot of waiting to do. Yes. We wouldn't be in the computer age right now if it weren't for something called electricity. Yes. Which is basically how humans have figured out how to harness converting energy from one type of another and then transmitting it a very long distance. Yeah. Because electricity isn't a primary energy source like the sun or solar radiation or nuclear energy or even the flow of water, kinetic energy. No, it's created. Yeah, it's an, it's a secondary energy source. It's a carrier. That's right. So it, ener- electricity carries energy from one point to another. And if you understand that, you understand the very basis of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Like we've figured out how to generate electricity to carry energy to produce work down the line. That's right. That's my intro. Which is usually mechanical energy is what's produced. Right. By a machine. Yeah. So think about this. Like if you capture mechanical energy like water spinning a turbine which we'll talk about yeah and niagara falls that's not going to do anything to light your light bulb uh, 200 miles away no not by itself no unless you connect the two you send the the work produced the energy captured in niagara falls down to your light bulb and that's what we do using electricity that's right (laughs) uh yeah it's pretty simple Actually, it seems complicated, but it's not. No. Just electrons moving around. Yeah, let's talk about electrons, man. Let's talk about the atom. 
Well, should we talk about the history of this stuff? Yes, let's. Uh, back in the olden days, mm-hmm. in ancient times, there were dudes messing around with with energy and static electricity without even knowing what they were doing. Right. They didn't understand it. But right. that doesn't mean that they weren't playing around with it. No, and getting zapped because they were messing with static electricity. That's right, which we'll explain all that later, too. Uh, but there was one dude called Thales of uh, Miletus. He was a philosopher in Greece. And in 600 B.C., he is thought to have been the first dude to mess around with electrostatic, static electricity, by rubbing uh, amber with fur. And he noticed that dust and feathers and things were attracted to it. He didn't know what the heck was going on, but he knew something was up. Right. And the amber plays a pretty big role. It's actually um, amber... Uh, the Latin or, I'm sorry, is it Greek? Greek. The Greek word for amber is um, electron. Yeah, with a K. Yeah. That Which was like makes their it little. Look way heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But that's, so like our, our word electricity is derived from the Greek word for amber from that first experiment with static electricity. Yeah, and it was actually coined by a dude named uh, William Gilbert. He was an Englishman, a physician. And he was studying sort of the same things with static electricity that uh, Miletus was. And he was the first person to say it's electric when yeah. he saw these forces at work. With an exclamation point and his finger in the air. <laughs> probably so. see it? Yeah. And we should probably, we should probably differentiate like static. There's a couple of types of electricity. There's static electricity and then there's current electricity, right? Yeah. And s- current electricity is what we are able to generate artificially. Static electricity uh, exists in nature, just naturally. Yes. And that was the first experiments carried out. Then there's other types of current electricity, like lightning. But at this time, when these people are messing with electric or static electricity or um, saying it's electric for the first time, yeah, the concept of electricity was that it was fluid. Well, it, it was fluid. He was on the right track. Mm-hmm. So something is flowing, but they thought it was literally a fluid, right. which they called, uh, which in those days was called a humor. And uh, he said it leaves what he called then an uh, effluvium, <laughs> effluvium, right? which is atmosphere around it. When you create this rubbing action, it removes that fluid. Right. But it wasn't fluid. They were not dummies back then, but they were just figuring it all out. No, they weren't dummies because even Ben Franklin thought it was a fluid. It was the prevailing idea or concept of electricity. Um, and Ben Franklin and a couple of his contemporaries, including a, a guy named Thomas Francois Dalabard, um, were studying electricity big time. And it was when they really investigated lightning that our understanding of current electricity started to take shape. Yeah, the old story of Ben Franklin flying his kite may or may not have happened. There are some people that think that didn't happen now. But um, if it, if he didn't do it, other people did. There were there were guys who died carrying out that experiment. Yeah, but the it old, was definitely carried out. I don't know if Ben Franklin did or not. Yeah, that's that's sort of uh, the, the story that he flew the kite with the the key, and some people think it either didn't go down like that or didn't go down with him right. at all. Right. But it's a great story either way. Yeah, and I think he at least proposed it, the the experiment. Well, yeah, and he was the first guy to say that uh, electricity has a positive and negative charge and that it flows from positive to negative. So he's a smart guy. Very smart. He's a polymath. Uh, then there was another smart dude uh, named Coulomb, uh, Charles Augustin de Coulomb, and he is the one that 
wrote Coulomb's Law, and he said <laughs> charges uh, like charges repel, opposite charges attract, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like the basis for it all. Yeah, and uh, the force of these charges is proportional to the to their product. So if you multiply the charges, they are going to be very strong or cancel one another out or push one another away. Yeah, he basically said, you can now calculate this right? because of my handy-dandy little law. Yeah, and with a boom. He said boom. Not bang. <laughs> okay. That came earlier. Uh, later on, a guy named J.J. Thompson in 1897 said at a science conference, hey, I found something smaller than the atom. And uh, everyone said, <laughs> silly man, atoms are invisible. You can't, it even means invisible. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> and he said, no, I promise. It's, there's something smaller. It's got a negative charge, and I'm going to call it a corpuscle. No, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's Latin for small bodies. And then I think, I don't know who later said, let's change it to electron. Yeah, it sounds way cooler. But the discovery of the electron was basically the, the birth of what we know as electricity today. Yeah. The understanding of the electron is what it's all about. And would you say like 1897? Yes. So b- uh, before that time, I guess he didn't understand the electron, but he understood electricity. A guy named Michael Faraday was working on the case. Stud. Yeah. Basically, everybody's like, Ben Franklin, electricity, hand in hand. Really, it's Michael Faraday, who's British, um, who really came to lay the foundation for electrifying the world. He just... <laughs> He created the first dynamo, which is a generator, um, which we'll talk about. He um, first electric motor. Yeah, yeah. He just he got electricity and he explained it to other people very well. Can you even fathom how smart these people were to no. be that in the dark and figuring all this subatomic stuff out? Yeah, back no, then. Hats off, top hats off to these guys. Last chance garage hat off. Yeah. And back on. Like, I, I have trouble understanding it now. <laughs> right. When it's explained through, like, kids for science websites, I know. you know? I'm We're like, not inventing this, figuring this stuff out for the first time. Right, even. exactly. Yeah. And it's a pretty dangerous field to try to figure out blind, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, more than one scientist got a shock from a Leyden jar. Oh, yeah. And you can make those. Did you make those in science class? No. Yeah, you can make those. Well, it's, it's uh, we should say a Leyden jar is a very primitive capacitor. You use a metal rod. In a jar, like a nail that's sunk into like some water, mm-hmm. and it can store a charge. Yeah, and I think Ben Franklin's kite experiment attached the kite to or a rod or something to a laden jar to store the charge too. If that happened, <laughs> right? But again, he did make the proposal. It's whether or not he carried it out is a that's right. question. All right, I guess now we can get to atoms. Finally, atoms are very tiny, and they make up molecules, and molecules make up. Everything you see. Yeah, atoms are the us. building block of matter. That's right. Um, and an atom, remember we're always talking about nature loves homeostasis? Oh, man, does it. Yes, it, <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, you've got a balance that nature always seeks. Tries to achieve it. Same with uh, atoms, or atoms are no exception, I should say. Uh, within an atom, you have a nucleus, which is made up of uh, protons and neutrons. Yeah. Protons are positively charged particles, neutrons are neutral, and then orbiting that nucleus, it, making the cool atom symbol, are electrons, and they're negatively charged. That's right. And when you have an equal number of protons to electrons, mm-hmm. you have a neutral atom. 
Yeah. There's no potential energy there. It's just in balance. Yeah. And uh, a lot of stuff is like that. A lot of stuff is in balance. Some stuff is not. Well, some stuff falls out of balance easier than other stuff. Well, yeah. The electrons, it, sometimes they're super tightly bound to the atom and they don't want to leave the house. Right. And they want to stick around. Sometimes they're they're crazy teenagers mm-hmm. and the slightest energy and movement makes them jump off from the atom and just say, I want to go attach myself to something else. They go on rumspringer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it depends on the material. And those types of material that have either uh, tightly connected or loosely connected atoms either um, end up con- conducting electricity very well or don't conduct electricity very well. So they act as either electrical conductors or electrical insulators. Yeah, like if you pick up a stick off the ground... <clears throat> It's electrons like staying close to home, mm-hmm. so it's not going to conduct electricity. If you pick up a metal rod, those electrons are crazy. Loose. And they like to go off and do those things that teenage electrons do, and therefore it does collect, uh, conduct electricity. Right. Very well. Under normal circumstances, when you pick up that rod or you pick up that stick, the electrons are staying put no matter what. But we figured out along the way, thanks to the work of all of the people from the Greeks to Faraday to Ben Franklin to your guy with the corpuscle idea. Yeah. Um, JJ was his name? Yeah, JJ. JJ Corpuscle. <laughs> I think it was Thompson. So thanks to the work of all of these people, we figured out how to knock electrons loose. And it's ingenious and simple, but it's also very complex. And it involves the relationship between magnetism and electricity. And we'll talk about that right after this message. Hey, everyone. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep. Along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. 
and you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text stuff to 2512-928887, and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. So, Chuck. Yes. We're talking about knocking electrons loose, which is ultimately the basis of producing electricity. Yeah, like uh, when you were a kid in elementary school, you probably did the little balloon trick where you make static electricity and mm-hmm. make the balloon stick to your sweater. Right. All you're doing, you're rubbing that balloon on your sweater, and electrons are jumping from that balloon onto your sweater. Mm-hmm. And now there are two different charges going on because you're overcharged. The balloon is now undercharged. And because opposite charges attract, it sticks to your sweater. Right. And that's static electricity. And static, you know, you have static and dynamic, and dynamic indicates motion, static indicates staying still. Um, and they use that to describe this type of electricity because the electrons don't flow. They just sit there and wait for a connection. Like when you touch something that's charged, like a doorknob, yeah. after you've shuffled with your feet in socks over carpet, when you touch that doorknob, you're forming that connection, and yeah. then all of a sudden the balance is achieved once more, and the electrons flow. Like you're literally a conductor of electricity in that moment. Right. So with current electricity, those electrons move. They move along a conductive material, Yeah. say like copper wire or something like that. That's a hot one. Right. So let's talk about how you produce an electrical current, right? Okay. But let's talk about generators and turbines and all that awesome stuff. It sounds like you need to generate that electricity with a generator. Right. I think that's what generators <laughs> are called. That why they're called that. Yeah, it's funny just how basic some of these things are. Like you say a computer. Right. <laughs> but but you just you've heard it so many times you take it for granted and it yeah. loses its meaning. It's exactly. like looking at a word too frequently. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of these words are like that. Like a generator or a... Uh, Corpuscle. <laughs> or a... Uh, or a uh, what's it called when you stop down the electricity, which we'll get to? Transformer. Yeah, it transforms something. Right. But you say them so much, you're like, what's a transformer do? Right. You know? Yeah. Anyway, I've been reading too much science for dummies, I think. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, generators. Um, well, I guess it all comes down to magnetism. Yes, in the case of generators. And if you want to listen to two shows, Lightning and Magnetism, before this one, it might help you understand electricity a little bit more. All right. So just go listen to those. We'll wait. to do that right now. <laughs> we'll wait two hours. So um, what, what I think Faraday figured out was that because of this relationship between um, a magnet and uh, electricity, you can take a magnet and you can move electrons in a, uh, uh, say, a conductive material. You can knock the electrons loose, basically, using a magnet. Yeah, it's like what happens when you attract a paperclip to a magnet. It's just the transfer of electrons right? jumping and, around. And you create a flow by flipping the polarity. And you can do this by rotating metal, right? Yeah. Say, like a coiled copper within the two poles of a large magnet. And when you do this, you're reversing polarity all of a sudden. Yeah. And you are knocking the electrons loose in those coils. Um, and the way that you spin the coils very quickly is by 
hooking the coils to, say, a shaft. Yeah. We kind of did this backwards. Let's yeah. start at the beginning. You okay. want to? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Niagara Falls. Okay. Hey, everyone. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep. Along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 251292-8887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Back in uh, 1895, George Westinghouse, who is Nikola Tesla's boss, who, which, by the way, if you want to listen to another really good podcast, um, go listen to that one. Yeah, the which, Nikola Tesla one. Yeah. Remember, it was all about the ACDC war between Tesla and Edison. Yeah. It's a good episode. Kill shocking animals to yeah. death. Yeah. It's pretty awful. What a jerk. Um, but in 1895, George Westinghouse set up a hydroelectric power plant along the Niagara Falls. Yeah. And what he did was he had a means of taking the movement of water, mm -hmm. which is kinetic energy. The water at the top of the falls has potential energy, and then once it falls over, that potential turns to kinetic energy. Well, Westinghouse set up a turbine to catch this movement of water, right, which is actual energy, Yeah. and have that movement spin a turbine, a propeller, or a fan. Yeah, it's the same concept as an old grist mill, right. except it's not creating energy. It's just moving the stones that grind the wheat or corn. Right, the grist mill is. Yeah. In this case, it's it's capturing that energy. Yeah. By, or it's transferring it, we should say, by converting that kinetic energy from the water into mechanical energy, spinning the, the turbine. The yes. turbine is connected to that shaft I was talking about where we suddenly changed course. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that shaft which is now spinning thanks to the turbine, thanks to the movement of the water, yeah. is some 
coiled copper, and that coiled copper is spinning within those two magnets. Yeah, that's and, the key. Right. And because of that, the electrons are being knocked loose. You have a power line leading from the coiled copper out, and all of a sudden, you have an electric current. Yeah, and um, if you've ever been to the Hoover Dam or something, you don't have to have a waterfall or a river to make this thing work. If you, That's why they build dams. You stop right. up the water, and then at the base of the dam you have the means to release that water, Mm -hmm. and then it becomes that flowing water. Right. And then also uh, for thermal power plants, they uh, use nuclear power to create a nuclear reaction to produce heat, or they um, burn coal to produce heat, and then they use that heat to heat water, and then they use that water to create steam, and then that steam turns a turbine. And these are all just different methods, whether it's solar or steam or nuclear (laughs) <laughs> I almost said it, which is weird because I definitely don't say it that way. Well, you you were very excited. I think I said it enough as a joke, right? <laughs> that it slips in. But anyway, all those are just means to turn that turbine, right? And all it is is you're using that stored energy, yeah, or that kinetic energy, like over here, to create electricity so that you can transfer it into work down the line. That's right. It's so cool. Yeah, and this article, uh, we used a few different articles for this one, like we said, including some <laughs> Science for Kids websites, which, by the way, I highly recommend. Yeah, it's, if you don't get something. Yeah, it's a great place to d- to go visit are these kids' websites because they break it down like super simply. Right, because kids are dumb. <laughs> uh, but in our article, it uh, it describes a generator um, as if it was a water and a pump, which made a lot of sense to me. Um, the generator is the pump, but instead of pushing water through a pipe, it's mm-hmm. pushing electrons down a uh, a line, right. a power line. And that whole, like using water as an analogy um, for electricity fits very well. Yeah, but you need something to push it. It's not, it, it's not a self-pusher. So you need that force, and that force is voltage. Right, yeah. It's Electromotive same, force. It's the same with water. Like um, you have water pressure that forces the water down the line. Right. And with electricity, you have a, a force that moves electricity and it's voltage. Me- like you said, measured in volts. Yeah. And the electrical current um, is measured in amps. And the amps represent the total number of electrons flowing through any one point of a circuit at any uh, every second. And That's there's right. a lot of them. And if you have voltage and you add that to current, which is amps, you get power, which is watts. Right. And uh, I think it's so, multiplied by it. Oh, really? Yeah. It is. Okay. I it, wasn't even thinking of it as a math formula. But it is. It is a math formula. And the reason why it's a math formula is because they're related. Like, you can flip-flop them. You can adjust them. Um, and that's the whole basis of industrial power transmission, that which we'll get to later. Yeah. Um and I know it sounds a little confusing with volts, amps, and watts, but they are all different. Like if you said, you know, th- that guy was shocked and he had 120 volts uh, coursing through his body, that's not true at all, because um, the volt is the force. The amps, right. he's got he's got amps coursing through his body. Yeah, but you'd be a huge geek to point that out to someone. <laughs> someone said that. And a good rule of thumb is the higher the volts, the more dangerous the shock. Yeah, which is why in America um, most outlets and homes are two are 120 volts. Where if you touch it, you're gonna feel it, but it's probably not gonna kill you. 
in the United States is 120, but it's different in other countries. Right, which is why like a European appliance can't be plugged into an American appliance because no, you got to get those adapters. Yep. So um, you were talking about uh, current, which is the number of electrons flowing through a circuit. You have um, the uh, volts, which is yeah. the force or pressure that's pushing them down the line. And then you have um, those two multiplied by one another to create watts, which is power. Yeah. You also, there's one, there's another um, factor to electrical currents. Yeah. Um, and that is resistance. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that. So, we, we acted like it was all either an insulator or a conductor, but you can be a resistor. Well, I mean, everything means, everything has a certain level of resistance. Yeah, but if you're an official resistor, that means current moves. It just doesn't move like as fast as it might in metal. Right. Or not at all, yeah. as in wood. Yeah. Or um, glass is another good uh, resistor or insulator. Yeah. Um, and so, so so is rubber. Yes. But even something as like conductive as copper wire has a certain amount of resistance. And again, that water flowing analogy comes into place. Like if you pump like some water really, really hard, yes. try to get a lot of water through a very small pipe, it's still not going to come out very high or very fast because you're trying to force too much water through that that little pipe. Right. So in uh, the exact same way, a, a thin wire where you're trying to push a lot of amps through and a lot of volts through, uh, it's going to resist, and when you when you have resistance in an electrical circuit, you have um, what you lose some of those electrons that are flowing in the form of heat, which is produced by electrons bumping up against other atoms that yeah. aren't sharing their their electrons, um, and that's the result of fi- friction. Yeah, and resistance is measured in ohms. Right. OHM. Should we talk about circuits? Yeah. Are we there? I think so. So all this is well and good. That's, uh, you know, you can supply power, and we'll talk about this more in detail, too, to homes from a power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can also have a little battery supplying that electrical energy to a iPhone, let's say. Right. And in that case, you need something called a circuit, which is basically just a, a closed loop that allows the electrons to travel. And in most electronics, it's like, like you said, like copper wire, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it travels from, uh, you know, there's a switch that turns it on and off, um, which is why a circuit is called a circuit breaker. Like if you break that circuit by turning the switch off or if the wire like snaps or something, mm-hmm. it's going to, no more electrons are going to be flowing. Right. Because there's, the and the reason they're not going to be flowing any longer is because the positive pole and the negative pole from that circuit yeah. are no longer connected. That's right. Another way to look at voltage is that it is the difference between uh, electrons on one side and electrons on another side of a circuit. And remember, we talked about nature always wanting balance. Yeah. Electrons flow from negative to positive, right? That's right. And as they flow, the reason they're flowing, the whole reason they're moving at all is because there are not as many electrons on the positive side as there are on the negative side. Yeah. So they want to leave the negative side to go achieve balance on the positive side and ultimately make whatever circuit it's traveling neutral. Yeah. You stick something in that circuit, and as those electrons are moving from the negative side to the positive side, because, again, electricity is just the flow of electrons, Yeah. you can 
convert that movement into productive work. Yeah, mechanical energy. Right, and anything you attach onto a circuit to exploit that flow of electrons for work is called a load. Yeah, it could be a light bulb or, you know, whatever. Whatever mechanical energy you're trying to create is your load. Right, and there's all sorts of things you can do by uh, attaching a load to a circuit, like a light bulb. Um, A light bulb basically uses uh, that electricity flow to... um, flow into a resistant filament, yeah. very thin wire, that purposely resists that flow of electricity, generating heat and in turn heating up to produce light. That's how a light bulb works. Yeah. You can also recharge batteries, which go in and force electrons back into the negative position so that the batteries recharge and those electrons are ready to flow again once you connect the circuit. Yeah. Um, there's also appliances that use resistors to produce heat, like a hairdryer right. or a, a, a toaster. There's all sorts of stuff you, you can do to connect into the circuit, but it's all the same, whether it's a battery or a toaster or a whole house, if you want to look at it that way. It's you're plugging a load onto an electrical circuit and exploiting the flow of electrons. Yeah, and I kind of misspoke a minute ago when I said it, it's creating the mechanical energy. You need a motor to actually do that. So yeah. if you have an electric drill, that's great that you have electrons flowing, but it's not going to turn anything unless you have that motor. And uh, an electric motor is basically just a cylinder uh, stuffed with magnets around the edge. And if you've ever used an electric drill and you fire it up, when you look and see in the vents, you can actually see sparks. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. It's like those little guns you used to get at the circus when you were a yeah. kid. Yeah. God, I love those. Um, so it's packed with those magnets around the edge, and in the middle, you've got your core, which is you know like an iron wire, and uh, it's wrapped around, you know, the, the copper's wrapped around the edges. So electricity flows to that core, creates magnetism, and then that pushes against the outer cylinder and makes that motor spin around, and then that's where you get your mechanical energy. Right, and uh, an electric motor is probably the best example of how you're converting um, energy from one form to another yeah. and then reconverting it, because an electric motor is basically a generator in reverse. Yeah. And so you use that mechanical energy, the spinning of the turbine down the line, and convert it in your electric drill Yeah back into mechanical energy to spin, spin the drill. Yeah. And in between is that flow of electrons that's causing the whole thing, or that's carrying that energy from point A to point B. Corpuscles. There's one other <laughs> There's one other thing. Um, if you look at a plug that you're plugging an appliance into, because, again, you're just attaching a load to that flow of electrons and diverting it through your appliance, and then it goes back on its merry way, right? Yeah. If you look at a plug, sometimes you'll see three prongs. And the, the third prong, the one on the bottom, yeah. seems different from the other ones. It's round. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a grounding wire. Yeah, very important. Very, very important. Because as awesome as we've gotten with producing and directing electricity, we can't control the amount of electrons that flow through an outlet to down to a single electron. Right. And so there's such a thing as leakage of electrons, which is crazy. And there's also um, electrical buildup that can happen, where if you're not using all of the um, amps in uh, through an appliance, the residual amps can build up and they charge the appliance. And again, as with static electricity, a charge is just sitting there waiting to be neutralized, yeah. sometimes through you. 
which can make it very dangerous. Yeah. To prevent this, they have they connect the appliance through either that third prong in a plug or through an actual grounding wire to a copper wire that's driven into the ground. Yeah. And that's where the word comes from, ground. Yeah. You're actually transferring that residual um, electro- electric energy to the ground, which is basically an infinite reservoir yeah. for uh, charge dispersal. To earth. Yeah. So like when you look at a power line and you see that uh, bare wire coming down from the power line and driven into the ground by a stake, that is the ground, and it goes down like six or ten feet. Yeah. Or if you look at every house, you're going to see near the uh, meter, the electrical meter, you're going to see a probably a copper rod driven into the ground, and that's right. your house's ground. Exactly. Same thing with a, um, a lightning rod. It's a ground for your entire house so that the lightning doesn't go through your house. It goes through the lightning rod. And the point of all of those is that the earth is, it can take it. Go ahead. Give it as many electrical shocks as you want. It's going to be fine. So we think. And it's a very good, it's very good at just dispersing those charges. So that's what grounding comes from. Very important stuff. Yeah. And, uh, we mentioned transformers earlier. Um, Power plants create massive amounts of electricity, and yeah. you can't just shoot that down a power line and straight into a house because it will blow up everything in your in your home right. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, but they do need that kind of juice in order to transfer like hundreds of miles away from the power plant. You know, if you don't live close, it's still got to get to you. Yeah. So the way they do that is through transformers. They um, transmit the power with a lot of voltage, so more force. Less amperage. Less resistance. Less resistance. Which means you lose less. And then once it, you know, they stop it down along the way, and by the time it gets to your home, it's transformed down to, here in the United States, 120 volts. Yeah. More elsewhere. Nice nice and safe. Right. And then you just plug your appliance into it, and all of a sudden that electrical energy transmits to your toaster strudel being warmed <laughs> your hot pocket <laughs> with tainted meats wow did you hear about that yeah Ooh. remember that whole horse meat thing with ikea the last couple of years it wasn't just ikea but yeah. they they were definitely called out maybe most strongly for them. i think the hot pockets too they called it unsound meat which is just a word that sounds weird in front of meat yeah unsound is not you don't want to go near it unsound unclean it's biblical all right so now i think we even though we've covered it in the Tesla podcast, we do need to go over ACDC a little bit. Seriously, go listen to that podcast. That's a great one. Best, great episode. Best Australian band of all time. Oh, they were good. Yeah. Yeah. Far good. David, are they still around? Yeah, man. David Bowie played a pretty mean Tesla. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Tesla. I'm talking about ACDC. Oh, okay. Uh, Tesla, yeah. Tesla's all right. Sure. And they're not around. <laughs> That's why I was really confused for a second. I was more confused about that than I was by any aspect of electricity. I'm like, yeah, man, of course they're around. Yeah, like, and everyone knows. Like, and they're Australian? Uh, yeah, no, ACDC's great. And yes. they're still around, huh? Yeah, they're, I think they're putting an album together right now. Good for them. I'll bet it sounds exactly like all the rest. <laughs> it still rocks. Blues-based rock. Uh, in velour, or velvet. Yes. So there was a battle being waged uh, between Tesla and Edison, and Tesla was all about the AC current, alternating current. Mm-hmm. Edison, as we know, said, no, 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 that's far too dangerous, and I'll prove this to you by electrocuting animals and dogs and cats and even an elephant named Topsy. Yeah. And um, and he was alleged to have helped botch the first electrocution by electric chair by a state. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I don't remember the details of that, but it's definitely in our, our episode. On- <laughs> exploded the guy. Yeah, he was a real <laughs> jerk, remember? Yeah. Um, and I think we remember, I remember talking about there should be a movie too about that, that battle. I, yeah, I can't believe there's not. It sounds super nerdy, but it would actually be interesting. It'd go over well these days. Agreed. So, uh, batteries these days use direct current power, DC power, and that means the positive and negative terminals are always positive and negative, and it always, electricity always flows in the same direction. From negative to positive. Yeah, it does not alternate. Yeah, just think about it this way. Uh, negative, an electron's negative. Yeah. So in any terminal, that's where all the negative charge is. Bad vibes. And then positive is where the electrons want to be because they're seeking to balance it out and create neutral so that there's no pole. Good vibes. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least, so-so vibes. Yeah, true. But not negative vibes. No. Um, and then you have alternating current, or AC, which means the current reverses 60 times per second here in the U.S., 50 times per second in Europe. So it's just reversing back and forth, alternating that current. And... uh I guess so. Who won out in the end? Tesla, um, on a large scale. Well, yeah, I mean that's what Edison power his, generation does. Yeah, but Edison has his batteries. I guess that he could throw at Tesla, which are pretty important too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think we kind of came out in the same way on that episode. Yeah, like we're like Tesla they, won. they both kind of won. Yeah, but Tesla was the cooler dude. Although Tesla died penniless in New York in the 1940s. Oh yeah, and Edison died a rich fat guy. He died of consumption and gout. <laughs> that was Ben Franklin. I guess we can finish with, um, if, if you get your power bill and you're amazed and you wonder how they calculate this stuff, it's pretty easy. Like we said, here in the U.S., we deliver electricity into your home at 120 volts. So you got to remember that one, too. It's important. Uh, our article uses a space heater as an example, which I think is pretty good. You plug in that space heater. Let's say it's the only thing going in your house which is not realistic, but go with me. You plug in the space heater, and it comes out uh, to 10 amps. So you multiply that 10 times 120, because that's your voltage, and you have got 1,200 watts of heat. Or 1.2 kilowatts. Yes, because that's how the power company is going to measure it. Right. Because they deal in big chunks. And if you leave that heater on for an hour, you just use 1.2 kilowatt hours, which is how you're billed. Yeah, and if they charge you a dime per kilowatt hour, it's going to cost you 12 cents an hour to run that space heater. Right. Pretty simple. Yep. And neat. And that's why when you go to buy an appliance, you should look at that little tag that says how many kilowatt hours you're going to be burning. That's right. The lower the better. So electricity, huh? You got anything else? No. Don't play around with it. No, don't. Uh, yes, always wear rubber-soled shoes. Because rubber is an insulator. It is. And why? Because it hangs on to its electrons. That's right. The atoms that make up rubber. It's just that simple. Uh, if you want to know more about electricity, you can type that word in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also go on all sorts of kids' science sites and find out more about it, too. Uh, and since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this a rare birthday shout-out. Hey, guys. My name is Pearl, and I just wanted to tell you how much a fan I am of your show. I was introduced uh, to the podcast by my best friend, Molly. We've been best friends for 12 years, and uh, many of our conversations begin by commenting on the podcast. For example, we could not stop laughing at your 1920s voice 
toward the end of the Underground Tunnels episode. We laughed over and over. That is a good voice. I think she's talking about this one. See? That one, yeah. Electricity, Tesla, Edison, killing animals. <laughs> All right. That was for you, Molly and Pearl. Uh, whenever we're in the car together, we find a podcast of yours to listen to so we can enjoy it together. I was wondering if you could uh, help her out. Molly's 26th birthday is April 9th. And I think it would be a totally awesome birthday gift if you would send her a shout-out. During listener mail, I would be forever in your debt. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast. I'm a middle school teacher who always listens during my prep periods. And so, happy birthday, Molly. Happy 26th. This should be close. Yeah, happy birthday. To April 9th. That was very nice of us, Chuck. And uh, thank you, Pearl Webb in Chicago. And your friendship means a lot to us. <laughs> you know? Your friendship with one another. Yeah, and then conversely through us all together in their car. Nice. Well, if you want to get uh, some sort of shout-out, sometimes Chuck uh, Danes, too. He's very nice. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And, as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.